0: Hello and welcome to the Football Ramble. Greg Clark resigns, but our boy Gunner is officially back. It's Wednesday, the 11th of November. I'm Jules Breach.
1: I'm Jim Campbell, and I'm Andy Russell.
0: Yes, hello, Ramblers. We are fully into lockdown 2.0. I'm working from home today. Andy, Jim, I've got you on Zoom so I can see your beautiful little faces. <laughs> How has the lockdown 2.0 been treating both of you so far, Jim?
1: Yeah, it's all right. Uh, I now live with a dog, so ooh, happy days. Great. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, just hanging out with him mostly. It makes it sound like the dog is your flatmate. He is my flatmate because he's not my dog. Right? He's, yeah, okay. he's, he's my my flatmate's dog, and he's he's sort of like. Shared between between her and someone else. It's a complicated situation, but he's at ours for this part of the lockdown. So is is he doing?
2: Is he doing his share of cooking, cleaning the bathroom, paying the
1: bills? (laughs) He's doing his share of eating the cooking. Uh, but other, other <laughs> well, than that he's not really pulling his weight Yeah. start
2: <laughs>
0: I tell you what having a dog to be fair for this second lockdown so I didn't have one for the first lockdown I know we're only what a few days into it now or, or, or almost a week wait how long has it been I've, do you know what I've lost count of the days if I'm being yes. completely honest but it has been already slightly easier having, having a dog there for company what about you Andy no dog but two children to keep occupied in lockdown
2: they're at school though which is the big difference between lockdown number one mm so uh i've i've moved away from being uh the world's worst
1: german teacher to being <laughs> the world's
2: let's say 437th best podcaster <laughs> the
1: world's <laughs> foremost Andy Brassel exactly exactly
0: <laughs> well look we're gonna make sure that you guys if you are off work at the moment or if you're working from home and obviously not really being able to get out and about that you have as much amazing material to listen to in this hmm. lockdown and there's a brand new episode of Between the Lines out today with Melissa Reddy this week she unpacks the prejudice policing of football fans it's a really interesting listen. It's all about fans' rights, their reputation and the history of why they're treated as they are. Laws such as not being able to drink within sight of the pitch were rushed into existence in the 80s and still govern the way fans are managed now. So Melissa finds out why and asks how we can all help to enforce change. Just search Between the Lines with Melissa Ready in your podcast app. All right, let's get on to the big news story from yesterday. FA chairman or former FA chairman, Greg Clark, resigning. Now, watching this unfold on Sky Sports News throughout the day, it was just like Greg Clark digging himself a bigger and bigger hole. The more and more I heard about this, it was... Um, it's shocking, really, and just... he. I mean, obviously, the right thing for him to resign. If you missed this news yesterday he basically offended everyone, didn't he, boys? I mean, he offended every area in which football is working so hard to be inclusive of. He offended minority ethnic groups. He offended women. He offended the LGBT community. Um, In doing so, he was actually on a call with the government uh, over Zoom to actually talk about... Um, about Project Big Picture being more substantial than he let on. It eventually went on to them talking about diversity and inclusion, which is where it just all went horribly wrong for him. He referred to BAME footballers as, as colored. Uh, he also talked about um, different job roles that people have in the backroom staff and and in terms of office as well. And he said, if you go to the IT department at the FA, there's a lot more South Asians than there are Afro-Caribbeans because they have different career interests. Uh, Incredible, really. He also Mm. described being gay as a life choice. He said that the issue in developing female goalkeepers is that young girls don't like having a football kicked at them. I mean, everything he said was just wrong on so many levels. And after that, he resigned as the FA chairman. Jim, what was your reaction to this? Well, when you hear it
1: sort of spread out like that, it sounds like he was a like somebody screaming at a rally. Do you know what I mean? When you look at all of those different points in isolation, and it's important to, to remember that actually he was just kind of speaking quite casually in ways that he wasn't really, you know, he didn't consider to be controversial or offensive or insensitive in any way. And that is what's absolutely staggering about this to me. And I, I saw this and it was almost, it, you, when you look at those, it's like he's lost a bet. Like it's to see how yeah. many people he's been upset <laughs> yes. in, one, in one conversation. And it, 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 it's, it's just unbelievable. And I think the issue is that obviously he should be a lot more aware of the impact of the language that he uses. Um, that goes without saying. Um, and also, the opinion is particularly. I, I think the thing that I, I found particularly galling was w- when he talks about if you go to the IT department of the FA, there's a lot more South Asians than there are Afro-Caribbeans, and that perpetuates such a dangerous stereotype that you know yeah. certain certain communities are stereotyped in certain ways and pushed into certain uh, careers based on those stereotypes. Um, and <sighs> he should be so much better at applying critical thinking to why, to, to why he thinks that sort of thing. It, it, it really came across to me that the word diversity to him is a word on a meeting agenda. It's something to be ticked off. It's yeah. not something to actually be considered. It's not something to actually put any critical thought behind because clearly he's trying to understand these things. He must be trying to understand these things in the p- position he's in. And he's failing so catastrophically that he's had to resign. He's been left with no choice to resign. And you just feel like... Are, are they actually serious about dealing with these with these issues or are they just trying to look good?
2: Yeah, I think the thing that struck me, actually, is if we go into the, the detail of it, there, there are actually points where you can tell he's been engaging with the issues, isn't there, Jim? Because, yeah. you know, he talked about um, BMA, uh, BAME people are not one amorphous blob was that the the phrase yeah, you something used? like that and yeah. which is
1: understandable because a lot of people have issue with the term bame in, in, yeah. in itself
2: Exact exactly and so it's clear that he's been trying to address these issues and been party to some conversations that are the start of something useful it's just clear also that he's not the person to lead it yeah because he's clearly been engaging with these issues for a long time i mean if we go back to what 2017 2018 he brushed off that idea of there being institutional racism at the FA and he did like totally brush it off yeah and dismiss it he didn't attempt to engage with
1: it at all didn't he refer to it as fluff yeah Yeah. something like that yeah Yeah.
2: so I I think that that he's he's learned so little and how to deal with these issues in like what two three years is absolutely remarkable in one sense. But in the other sense, he's someone who's made so many mistakes. I mean, I mean so many misjudgments, mm. I think, of public mood. You look at Project Big Picture, I think that's that's clearly part of it. I mean, Jules talked at the top about him, him being on there to explain that in the first place. He was the guy who tried to sell Wembley and couldn't sell Wembley. Mm. I mean, it's just a catalogue of, of of failure. But I think if we move away from greg clark actually for a minute i think that the the most concerning thing is this isn't just an isolated case and that's always the problem i think when you get this sort of language used it's not like it's one person it's indicative of um an attitude of a culture Mm. of a certain class of football administrator and if if you look in the today for example um, there's a, a big article from the front page about how there's um, been an institutional sexual harassment at the French FA, allegations of that. Also, you look at the, the, the president who's running for re-election at the moment, Nola Great. He is someone who's, I guess, been more even more front and centre than Greg Clark, because he's, he's a very um, media-facing sort of, sort of president. And he was the one who, go back a month and a half, two months, said that like racism didn't really exist in football. So th- th- this <laughs> is someone who, again, I, th- I think, Jim, when we were talking about it earlier, you, f- you were saying a s- certain type of person who finds it very hard to step out of their own personal experience, yes. which is a dreadful quality mm. for a chairman or a president Absolutely. of any organisation. But what I'm saying is it's not just down to... It's not just Greg Clark or the FA. We're talking about administrators in football, Europe-wide, worldwide.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a certain profile of person that has been in this job because of the kind of historical advantages that effectively old white men have had. Uh, And we're seeing a sea change in society and those people cannot keep up with it. And they're proving it here time and time again. And I don't really have much truck for the idea that you can't teach an old dog new tricks as well, particularly if you're in a position of influence and a position of power like that. Just be better just be yeah. better it's what your job is you've got to lead
0: absolutely and i think that um from what you're saying there as well boys like we've we've all both we've all mentioned how important the use of the right language is particularly when you're in a role so high up this isn't just any person talking about these issues in football this is the leader of our national game and when you put it like that and he's using the language that he is it's it's language like that that gets filtered down through generations that enforces stereotypes and and kind of and and allows other human beings to form these unfair kind of stereotypes about Mm. other ethnic minorities about about women about whatever it might be the lgbt community and and language use is so important so What actually needs to happen now then, because as you mentioned there, Jim, the last five FA chairmen have all been similar in terms of characteristics as Greg Clark, all white, all male, all over 50 when they took the job. And now we've got the um, caretaker in charge. It sounds like it's a football manager, but it's the guy that's in charge in the interim whilst the FA appoints a new um, FA chairman, Peter McCormick, who also fits that same bill of being a male white over the age of 50 so does it need to change I think Tyro Mings was actually asked that in the press conference yesterday such a shame because he's there to actually talk about the England game that he's about to play in but yeah. unfortunately like when it. something like this happens he then has to talk about this instead he was asked whether or not um, it was about time we saw someone from a black or Asian minority ethnic group be given a role as the FA chairman or be given this leadership role. And actually, I, I think Tyro Mings, he always speaks so eloquently on, on these subjects whenever he's asked about them. And he actually said, you know what? It's not necessarily about it, having a black person being the chairman of the FA. It's just about having a person who is educated and equipped enough to be able to lead football in this country, which yeah. I think is just exactly the right thing for him to say isn 't it
1: exactly and that's, that can 't be an impossible profile to, it can 't be impossible to find somebody that has the you know has the ability to do that it, it almost certainly needs to be somebody younger. I would think that mm. um, be, because it i think with this sort of with this sort of position, it must be so tempting to just kind of like enjoy the garlands that come with being being in such a powerful position, but you have to actually be constantly reassessing and reappraising what that role entails. It's not the same as as having a job where you have a very specific set of tasks that you do every day, is it? It changes constantly, it changes all the time. And actually tackling what the problems uh, that the football is facing in in this country are, it, it is one of those. And you look at the situation I think back to the situation with any Eluko and Drew Spence. I and mean, Greg Clark was was there for that. It's like Was was the take home from that, well, we got away with that one. So have you learned nothing from that?
2: I I worry Mm. that it was. I really worry that it was. And I I think the age thing is really important, Jim. I agree, because I think when you look at how rapidly football has changed over the past 30 years, I think you could say that even more so for the last 10 years, Mm. you know, in many ways. Um, the The way that football um runs and the way that it expresses itself to the world is is so so different just in the last decade yeah you 've got to wonder how do guys of a certain age understand that and the answer is in a lot of cases they don 't yeah. Uh, yeah and and that
1: is that is a huge problem i th- i just i find it astonishing though because surely to see like to see how important inclusion is, to see how important and to see just what a fact of football diversity is, to, sh- to see what a fact of, you know, of everybody being equal is. Look at any pitch, look mm. at any football pitch. It, mm. It's it's generally so diverse already, and obviously there are communities that are left out of that, and there are, there are issues in in this country, particularly with kind of getting more South Asian people in in into into football. It's, it's it's a strange situation we find in where there are so few Asian players, um, and that's obviously something that they they need to tackle. But broadly speaking, the benefits of of diversity are there for everyone to see. The game is Absolutely. better for having players from from mm. from different backgrounds in it.
0: Yeah, I I do think it's a generational thing when it comes to language used as well. And and, um, when we were talking about the kind of body language that Greg Clark was using when he was on this Zoom call is you could obviously see the way he was speaking and and he seemed very sure of the language he was using and very kind of, as you say, it was quite casual in the way he sort of approached all these subjects. He felt, it felt to me like he was just having a conversation like he would with friends about this kind of subject. And that's dangerous that he feels so, he felt so comfortable to use the language he did when that language was so wrong, so mm-hmm. archaic. And I think you're right. I think that now there needs to be someone younger in that role someone who understands more the kind of society we're living in now because things have changed so much over the years so it'll be in- it will be interesting to see how this one pans out and uh, i'm sure we'll be talking a bit more about it uh, in the coming days and weeks
1: i think it's also worth noting that a lot of people have been talking about his intent uh, and saying that you know he didn't necessarily understand the weight of 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 the words he was using but actually the intentions he had weren't necessarily bad and i don't i don't think intent matters here because um mm. particularly saying things like that that homosexuality is a lifestyle choice they perpetuate stereotypes that are that are harmful and actually actively dangerous for 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 people in those communities because they they spread just things that aren't true
2: and it but it reveals that, the way that he thinks about things as well i don't think you can say that it's just language and especially the the, the job he's in choosing the right words are paramount Mm. that that is absolutely 80 percent of the job you can't get away from that so you know uh, to to me it's it's not that he's resigned i I find it extraordinary that he was allowed to carry on so long in the job after this uh, catalog of errors really and so there needs to be a really thorough process to get to the point where the right person is appointed to succeed him and more of the right people are appointed around him because that feels important.
0: Yeah, I think it's very telling as well that after the disaster that happened in that meeting, he apparently phoned around the board for backing and he got absolutely no support. So I think that says it all, doesn't it, really? Um, someone who has had a lot of support, though, he's back. Gonosaurus he returns!
1: A positive it's, dinosaur yes. story. <laughs> <laughs> Do
0: you know what? I feel like we've talked... I think we've given Gunnosaurus more air than some footballers <laughs> in yeah, this start of the year. We have, but he was finally pictured back at the ground yesterday at the Emirates. Yes, Gunnosaurus. Is back. Um, you'll remember us telling you about the story that he was let go, and then good old Meza Erzl decided to pay his salary um, and to keep him in a job, so he was allowed back in his job. But of course, with no fans in the stadium, Gunasaurus hadn't been back at the Emirates yet until yesterday. And the pictures are just lovely. They were they were all over social media. He looks like a happy little dino, doesn't he?
1: He does. Although, right?
2: Although he does always have the same expression on his face.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so he does look happy. Because, as you say, that is just his foam face. But the chat I've heard is that he, he's now going to be played by a, a number of people. And does is that this a big Does the club have... <laughs> uh, have they gone, no, you can keep your money, even though it's our <laughs> money, sort of, <laughs> which not. But, like, have they, have they honestly knocked back Urzel's offer to pay for Gunnasaurus? Because that, to me, looks like what's come out from this. If, they, if they're rotating the guy in the suit, I don't know if Jerry... Is it Jerry Key? Is that how you pronounce Yeah, it? Jerry Key. I don't know Key. if he's involved. I hope he's involved. He's, I hope he is he's, involved. So he's he going to be involved. one of the rotating cast.
0: Yeah. So I found this quite... I don't know how I feel about this. I feel a little bit sad. I mean, I'm glad that other people have got a job out of this. But at the same time, this was Jerry's job. Yeah. And it was It was Jerry who the people wanted to save from being made redundant. So they, it, like you say, Jim, it's almost like they've gone, do you know what, Mesut... Keep your cash. We'll bring Gunasaurus back. We'll we'll listen to what the people want. But actually, yeah. we'll put you, we'll put you on a roster, a rotating freelance dinosaur roster unless, with a, with several other people.
1: Unless they've gone, you know what, Meza? You've said you pay for Gunasaurus. That's that's really good of you. There's six of him now, six <laughs> and they're all on eighty grand a year.
2: Yeah. I reckon they've they've made him get in the suit.
1: I, I, I reckon. Urzil. Yeah, you're you're
2: looking at Urzil uh mustafi socrates he's got to be in the mix
1: as, yeah, as, you, as well you wanted to be involved in match days boys you were kicking off socrates i think <laughs> would be really good at it i think he would be he's a he's a war horse socrates i think he's i, I actually like him he would be an absolute demon with the t-shirt cannon <laughs> I,
0: I, I think. <laughs> what footballers do you think would make the best mascots at their clubs
2: Hmm. Mm. What immediately I thought of David Louise, David Louise would also be excellent. <laughs> yeah,
1: he's sort of like a mascot on the pitch, though, isn't he? Yeah, I, I suppose so. Yeah, um... I, I
2: think the, the, the mistake we can make is thinking that Gunnosaurus has to. Because when I was thinking of Jim being one of the rotating casts,
1: yeah, it, which... well, I wasn't asked. Obviously, I would have said yes. Yet, yet. (laughs) But
2: you you think it has to be, and and, you know, you sort of wonder about Jim, is he quite tall enough? But it's it's not really about height because the height is from the suit. From the head, yeah. It's like the person who plays Cyril the Swan at Swansea. Is presumably not seven foot tall. It's not no. a David Prowse Darth Vader type scenario, is it? Because the suit is not so close fitting.
1: Yeah, I think with S- Cyril the Swan though, is notoriously like he's got in some scraps, hasn't he? He's quite it, anarchic. Break your arm, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Swans
2: are evil. Can you can you, avo- yeah. can you avoid it though with with the wings? I mean, you know.
1: Well, I just wonder if they just find the drunkest man in the vicinity and go, "You're Cyril today." <laughs> <laughs> You've passed the breathalyzer. You've come out on top.
0: The thing is, though, surely height must must have some kind of. You must be of. You must have to be of a certain height because. Can you imagine me getting in the Gornosaurus suit? <laughs> five foot two. My my head my head wouldn't get past the t shirt line.
1: No, <laughs> you'd have to be on. You'd have to be on little stilts, which would be. Complicated. I
0: don't think it would work.
1: Fought with danger. Fought with danger.
0: (laughs) Well, it's good to see Gunnasaurus back. And he um, was doing his thing on social media yesterday. I saw he held up some of the new um, Gunnasaurus packs that the kids can have little pencil case, little backpack. They'll be sent out to some Young Gunners fans, which I think is quite cute. So, yeah, it is good to see him back, whether it's Jerry or someone else. Um, But, yeah, I think they should have to reveal who it is in the suit each day because I reckon Jerry would get the biggest applause.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. (laughs) He makes celebrities of them. They should all live in a big house together and they do some sort of MTV-style <laughs> reality show of it. But keeping would, up with would,
2: would people? I, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves here. People are going to recognise Jerry outside the suit. I mean, really, as far as mascots go, he's a bit like David Axelrod. You're very, very familiar with his work, but you wouldn't recognise him if you bumped into him in a cafe or something. Yeah.
1: Or dead 5 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <it's
2: like laughs> the daft punk of premier league mascots do you reckon he like you know when um they did the grammys in in la and uh, that they were they were boarding at lax the two daft punk guys wearing like normal clothes like mm. jeans and t-shirt but with the actual helmets on I just wonder if, like Jerry on a match day, like you know, knocks about sort of like Tufnell Park in sort of like you know, jeans and a t-shirt, or possibly because he's an older gentleman, a blazer and a cravat. Yeah, but with the head on, just
1: the head. It's quite a terrifying <laughs> thought, actually, isn't it? That is that is scary. If I ever got to wear the suit, I would wear just the head around the house, <laughs> and I mean just the head. <laughs> it would terrify everyone. <laughs>
0: more terrifying just wearing the head or just wearing the body with your head popping out Jim.
1: <laughs> but i don't know if my head would stick out so maybe because of, <laughs> of the way it all lines up maybe that would be even worse that like big decapitated dinosaur wandering <laughs> about <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right let's take a break after this we're going to chat danny water, needing a club and a bit more from you guys from your emails
2: Hi, I'm Jermaine Defoe and this is the Football Ramble.
0: Welcome back to the Football Ramble. As always, we love hearing from you guys and especially now in a lockdown, I know loads of you are going to be getting in touch even more so than usual. So keep all your emails coming in. We love hearing them. Show at footballramble.com or of course you can tweet us at Football Ramble.
2: Just leave show.
1: Hello, got an email here from Adam Cousins. Good day, Ramblers. Further to your chat today about sloping pitches and the mention of a Sheffield team, I want to draw your attention to the oldest ground in the world, Hallam FC, a semi-pro team in Sheffield. The pitch at Hallam is notoriously sloped, so much so that you'd probably take being 3-0 down at half-time when kicking uphill. (laughs) 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 It is also incredibly cold, with the wind coming in from the empty side of the ground backing onto an even less flat cricket pitch. Further, um, incredibly, in the corridor of the men's top, Toilets was a signed shirt by Maradona, which is odd, bearing in mind the lack of memorabilia in the clubhouse and bar. I wonder that is mad, isn't it? If you've got a signed shirt by Diego Maradona and you put it in the toilet, what does that say about your opinion of him? Maybe that's what. It, maybe they're bitter about the hand of God. Might oh, I think fake. so. I don't worry, reckon it's fake. real. Yeah, <laughs> um, I wonder what other signed memorabilia is tucked away at uh, other football clubs. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you've got anything that compares to that, let us know. But a, a signed Maradona shirt in the toilet when you've got nothing That's else anywhere, anywhere is, mm. is um, going to be hard to top that.
2: I think I might have mentioned this before, but when I lived in France, um, Jeremy Mathieu, who's recently retired, former um, Barcelona and sporting defender, that, um, a French journalist went to visit him on um, a a program over there when uh, he he was at Valencia and they were showing uh, look here he is living the dream in La Liga etc and uh, uh, the reporter goes to him uh, Jeremy I understand you you have a a really incredible selection of match worn shirts that you have and he's like yeah yeah I suppose he's like well can we have a look you expect them to be like sort of going into some sort of billiard room where they're all sort of framed on the walls it takes him into the utility room right and On top of the washing machine is a cardboard box, honestly, full of not even folded shirts. That he wow. starts pulling out, and he's like, "Yeah, I've got, uh, I've got uh, Messi
1: here." Um,
2: no way! You know, and all the, all these other ones, he starts pulling out the Zidane. And, yeah, and you're like, "This
1: is unreal." Messi's a funny one. Like you played with him. Did you ask for his shirt after oh, that, a this game? Was, this was before he went to Barcelona. Right.
2: This was before we went to Barcelona, he we was still at Valencia at the time.
0: Do you know what? I, I do find it incredible though, because like obviously working in telly and stuff, you get to work with a lot of ex-pros and you do ask them like, also, like what's the what's the best thing that you've ever got after a game from another player or like what'd you do with your medals and stuff? Some of them don't know like where they've kept medals. And like they just don't, some of them genuinely are like, oh yeah, I don't really know where I've put that medal or I don't, I find that baffling. Like yeah. I would have a, I'd have like a room in my house with, all of my shirts and everyone that I've collected shirts from at the end of games, 100%. Jules,
2: I might be misspeaking here, but it seemed like you were about to say shrine to myself and then you
1: changed <laughs> what you were saying. thought, <laughs> so, right, I
2: I'm love- going to row back from that. Well, because that's it though, isn't it?
1: It is effectively a little shrine to yourself. And it like, is, shrine. is everyone kind of comfortable with doing that? I certainly don't have a shrine to myself.
2: Well, I remember hearing, um, of, I can't remember who it was, but um, one tv presenter you know one of, one of these like kiss and tells in, uh, in the was tabloids. it alan partridge
0: by any chance <laughs> yeah <laughs> um th- there
2: was there was this lady saying she'd been back to his house and he'd made her watch a recorded version of a tv program that he'd been on like he'd skyplaced mm. it or whatever and he sat there in front of the Telly like mouthing all his lines. Oh, that's wow, so weird.
0: That is so <laughs> that is creepy. Mad.
1: I do have <laughs> that is odd. I have posters from uh, from Edinburgh shows and stuff, but I, I feel the uh, that displaying them is is a bit weird. So I have them on the inside of cupboards, which I'm now realising <laughs> is probably weirder. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's way weirder Dude, I mean, that's, that's definitely
0: worse that is so much worse little
1: secret shrines of the it's like you're, h- it's like you're
0: hiding them like you don't want anyone to see them someone well, pops sort of around don't. And-
1: I don't want someone to sort of come into my room and go oh so you got a room full of posters of yourself that's definitely
0: <laughs> mad <laughs> That is excellent, Jim. Excellent stuff. Uh, But yeah, as the email says, if you know uh, about other clubs' sign memorabilia that's tucked away, uh, let us know. I do do think that when you go to some of these non-league football grounds, They always have amazing memorabilia in the clubhouses, don't they? Mm. I remember, I I mean, talking of sloping pitches, I've I've been to the Dripping Pan, Lewis's home ground, so many times. That is as sloped as you can get, isn't it, Andy? I know you've done a bit of work down there as well. What a name as well. The Dripping Pan. That's incredible.
1: The Dripping Pan. Is that because of the slope?
0: Yeah. That's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So So not only is it a sloped pitch... They've also recently—I say recently—it was sort of the last time I went, which was quite a long time ago, maybe sort of six, seven years ago now. Um, I used to go to Lewis quite a lot when I lived down in Brighton, and they have beach huts as their as their sort of hospitality rooms, nice. so you can you can hire a little beach hut to watch the game, which is quite cute. But I've every done a clubhouse meets in one of those, yeah. yeah. Have with, you? Oh, did
1: you do your rambleies in the Maggie beach Murphy. house? Yeah. Oh, nice. Love it. Lewis very is cool. great. Lewis is a mad place, especially when they have the, uh, the uh, bonfire night thing, which sadly yeah. we didn't have this year.
0: We didn't. Thanks for reminding us all that the world has ended, Jim. All right. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you do get loads of weird club memorabilia in all these clubhouses. So if you are a fan of any of these non-league clubs, please write to us and tell us what's in those clubhouses, because uh, we'd love to know.
2: Yeah, we would. Um, we've got another email here from Sean Galley. It says, long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, Our Leicester city to blame for the crazy world we are living in. Since they have won the title, Trump has been elected as president. Coronavirus has completely changed the way we live our lives and Brexit has been dragging on. Thankfully, things seem to be looking up. Trump's leaving office early next year. A vaccine for coronavirus could be available soon and hopefully Brexit will be sorted and we'll never hear its name again. But if Leicester go on to win the league again, will this be (laughs) a bookend to the paranormal dimension we have been living in and the world will go back to normal? What if more chaos unfolds? Also, as a Spurs fan, if we have another title tilt scuppered by Leicester, I will have confirmation of what I've always expected. We are cursed.
1: (laughs) I think like, I don't know... Spurs winning the Premier not. League is would would round off my own personal nightmare so that could that, that, <laughs> could, that, <laughs> that could, could happen Sean. I think we all feel like we're living in our own personal nightmares in, in, to some degree. Yeah, a lot of people say that when David Bowie died it upset the fabric of the universe and obviously Leicester winning the title came after that. So could be all of this stuff could be the case.
0: It's quite frightening, isn't it? I don't like this, I don't like the thought of it, but when when you put things like that you think oh my god if it happens again we're going to see another round of craziness yeah. in the next few years. I hope not.
2: It's a step on from Aaron Ramsey killing dictators, isn't it?
1: It is, yeah. <laughs> that was weird. That was really weird. It was the consistency of it, wasn't it? I mean, obviously he wasn't really doing it, but it kept happening. Really bizarre, that. that. Um, it did. Yeah, so anyway. I I wonder
2: if uh, Trump gave Juventus the money to pay him a massive (laughs) signing-on fee just to protect himself.
1: Yeah, because someone told him that story. Yeah. They've gone, this guy guy kills dictators with goals. Well, get
2: him. No, he's not
1: really doing it. Shut up, get him. All right, fine, fine. (laughs) But anyway, now the Viagra people have come and made a vaccine and at this point you go, yeah, yeah, fine, fine. (laughs) Any solution will do.
0: (laughs) Lovely stuff. Love your emails, as always. Show at footballramble.com. Now, we do need to get back to another slightly serious subject. Sorry to be uh, a bit of a killjoy. But um, I feel like this is something that is so important to talk about. And unfortunately, I feel like it's something we talk about too often now. Apparently, another 10 EFL clubs are struggling to pay wages this month. That's what Parliamentary Committee has been told. And the proposed £50 million rescue package from the Premier League... That was rejected by the EFL in October. But as I said, I feel like this is something we constantly talk about. There are so many clubs struggling financially in the EFL. So what's going to happen? Is this just going to be something we continue to talk about until more clubs go out of business like Macclesfield? Thankfully, we've seen that they've recently been reformed and rescued thanks to Robbie Savage and his team of people behind that. But what what is going on here and what needs to change? Because... Yeah. Is this just going to keep happening until more and more clubs just go out of business? It's just a sad time for football fans, isn't it?
2: It, it is, Jules. And I'm really surprised that it's kind of taken this long for a story like this to, to come out. Because these clubs have been under the pump for a really long while now. Um, Especially some of the smaller ones who can't generate TV money because we we know about the, the iFollow model and how, well, A, it's not very good experience for people actually buying it and be how it's heavily weighted to um the bigger clubs with with bigger followings um like Sunderland Portsmouth etc etc um I, I do think there's there's a, there's a couple of issues here um firstly I think it's not just the money it's the way that it's going to be distributed because um to say that the current situation with clubs being in this sort of trouble is simply a result of What's happened with coronavirus? Of course, it's not helped. Uh, it's, it's it's been something that's a a, a huge problem. But um, the reason that clubs have been so vulnerable to this, especially in League One and League Two, is because a lot of them are not brilliantly run and have been living beyond their means for a long time. You can say that about Championship teams as well. And what I think is, it just goes back to the the, the same problem, which is the EFL has has not been fit for purpose for a very long time. Now, I've I've heard chat about there should be an independent football regulator um, for for football in England, and I I couldn't agree with that more because I think the biggest problem when you're the Premier League or anyone else, government, thinking of handing over money to help these clubs, you want to know that it's going to be more than the flimsiest of cheap sticking plasters. You need to know that is actually going to help and do we trust the clubs to look after themselves with the money do we trust the EFL to distribute it effectively I think these are all reasonable questions so getting beyond like whether the Premier League are being generous enough we need to know that the money is actually going to make a difference that is going to go into some sort of not just emergency let's cover ourselves for the moment, that there needs to be a rethink. There needs to be a move towards greater sustainability for football clubs at every level of the EFL. And that's something that really needs to be worked upon. I'm not really feeling that leadership from the EFL. I don't know about you guys, but that to me, a change to how the system works. And I realize it's an emergency at the moment, but we're working towards something that's a more sustainable way of running clubs has to be the priority at the moment. Am I missing something?
1: Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. It's interesting you use the term sticking plaster there as well because when you look at this situation, it's interesting that Julian Knight says that, you know, 50 million rescue package is pitiful. And of course it is because it's spread across so many clubs. It really, really is. And it's We're very it's really, different financial it, needs. Absolutely. And it's really not going to help that many of them for that long. But we are talking about 50 million quid. Like that's not nothing, is it? You know, it's it's a it's a that in itself is a huge amount of money. So something needs to change. If, if for that for that to not be enough, the system doesn't work, does it? The system absolutely doesn't work. And just I don't know what the solution to that is, but you know, someone needs to come in and 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 take a sort of macro look at that. And I think this, you're right. I think this is where an independent kind of regulator comes in because the system as it is is not working, and obviously it's in in kind of. that are very, very difficult to foresee and to plan for. But I just feel like I'm actually surprised that
0: more clubs
1: haven't Mm. actually gone to the wall already. I thought there would have been clubs had gone by now. And I think it's inevitable. And I think we might well start seeing it, certainly before the end of the season.
0: Yeah, and I think that the the thing is, is I, I remember when Project Big Picture was sort of the biggest story a couple of weeks ago and everyone was talking about it. And Jamie Carragher on Sky Sports spoke about you know, that what his thoughts were on it. And, and I think one of the points that he made is that in football business, every football club will choose to do something that benefits them. Everyone obvious, every single football club looks out for themselves first. And then if it benefits others as well, then great. And I think that that's the key thing here with, with what Andy, what you've pointed out is that if there was an independent football regulator that oversaw everything, then that wouldn't be able to happen. It wouldn't be a club choosing to do what's best for it. It would actually be what's best collectively for the football community and not just what benefits a football club here and then how does that help the ones below them. No, it shouldn't be like that. It should be actually looking out for the football community as a whole because you don't get players amazing homegrown English talent in the Premier League if you don't have grassroots football and football right from the bottom and filtering all the way through to the Premier League, doing the right thing all the way through.
2: Yeah, and I I think that's a great point, Jules, because when you look at the the ending of last season, really, um, with uh, League One and League Two being brought to a close, I mean, you know, we talk about Premier League clubs and we mainly talk about Premier League clubs being individualistic, but I agree, it's exactly the same thing when you get to... League One and League Two, and I I know um, uh, Wimbledon got some stick from Tramir fans, as did some other clubs, for basically voting to end the season uh, in in their own interest. But the fact is, when the EFL flipped it over to the clubs, what was going to happen next was absolutely inevitable. I mean, you can't blame individual clubs for, for looking after themselves, particularly in this time.
1: Well, the nature of, of, of football is competitive, right? Yeah. The clubs are, of course, the clubs are out for themselves. They should be out for themselves. That yeah. is the nature of the institutions that they are. But that that feeds into this situation where that actually doesn't help in a situation like this. So I think, yeah, that this, it, it has to happen. It has to change. Yeah. Mm.
0: Let's hope that we see some positive change in that area soon. Um All right. Let's move on and talk about one of the forgotten players in the Premier League, Danny Drinkwater, ever since winning the title with Leicester. His career, unfortunately, hasn't really gone in the direction that he probably hoped it would when he joined Chelsea in 2017. He's been battling a few personal issues as well. And he's been quoted as saying that um, because of that and because of his lack of appearances, it led him to falling out of love with football. So recently he has put together, I love this, by the way, a showreel of his best goals and some of his best performances to put it out there to try and get him noticed by a club because he's not been given a squad number this season so he is available if a club wants him now jim after hearing that you've got posters of yourself inside your wardrobe um <laughs> i've got i've got a feeling that you are all for putting a showreel out there and getting danny drinkwater a club
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely right i think as well and We've seen this in the past Michael Owen did a did a thing like this didn't he and and Owen Hargreaves as well and they were both like roundly mocked for it but actually it is a completely reasonable thing to be doing especially in these in these times because Danny drinkwater is a bit of a mystery at the moment isn't he and it makes sense to hear that he was having a difficult time and perhaps kind of fell out of love with the game because there were times during that title winning season for Leicester where we on this podcast were almost almost demanding that he start for England because he he was so good. And I think people have genuinely forgotten what he's got to offer. Um, Because he's what? He's 30? He's he's still got, in in the position he plays, he's still got years left in the tank. And if he's now, the fact he's doing this at all shows that he's kind of in the right headspace to be going, you know what? I'm Danny Drinkwater. I'm, I'm I'm better than making than not having a squad number. I have to know? say,
2: Jim, referring to yourself in the third person
1: <laughs> is not the approach. <laughs> I, would,
2: I would take. I'm I w- Danny Drinkwater. <laughs> yeah. I,
1: if if someone else does it while paraphrasing you, it's all right. Though, I guess
2: <laughs> right. Is, is that right?
1: I think I don't know. I, but um, yeah, yeah. I hope it works. I hope it, it works.
2: But the thing is, like people are inevitably going to take the piss. But I I think it's very reasonable. Remember the Michael Owen brochure? Yeah. You know that's something that, and today's society is about promoting yourself is yeah
1: it absolutely yes, yeah. it's all about the personal brand um, we see it on Instagram, it, don't
0: we every day people upload yeah. videos of themselves, pictures of themselves, look at me back at it, here we go again, or look at this yeah. goal I scored, or you know you know it's the same thing isn't is, is it? right, it's, right? it's no, di- it is no different it's no different is it.
1: Every player you've ever seen sign for your club, though you do rush to YouTube and go, "Oh my God, this player is <laughs> unbelievable just the next Pele, and then they're just sort of fine they 're the <laughs> Anne of cleves footballers
2: I know, I know uh Marcus Gale um, Wimbledon Legend was famously sold to Rangers on the back of a highlights video mm. that they watched of him that was not the most recent. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I remember when, um, oh my God, uh, when Jürgen Lacardia signed for Brighton and I looked up his his goals reel because I thought, oh my God, we're going to get someone that's going to bang in all the goals. Unbelievable. What's he done? Not a lot
1: scored against us, Jules. R- 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 scored <laughs> against us. Yeah. it's the only course thing he did. Of course he did. Uh, <laughs> wasn't
0: hard, was it? Uh, Release. No, he's re- it really wasn't. Release some music, but you know, I, yeah, that's what it really... was about.
2: I thought you were into Lecardia for
0: his music. Yeah, I was a little bit. They, they love. I love when footballers have these little side careers. Actually, hasn't my, yeah. Michael Vaughan, the uh, former Spurs goalkeeper, just opened a barber's?
1: He has, and this is a bit of a mystery, isn't it? Because he seemed to just like retire really suddenly, like not leave Spurs. retire. <laughs> really suddenly and it's like he's he's had the idea in the middle of the night oh i want to open a barber's i think it's wise it's like, That's it. i think it's wise That's you it. know
0: why i think he saw lockdown coming and he thought do you know what i'm gonna open a barber's and i'm gonna cash in cash in while everyone yeah. needs a
2: haircut
1: but, Jules, you need drop to... Drop everything. With, I must drop everything and start a barber's new trek. <laughs> what is going on there?
2: You need to be in the squad to get that to work. True. So, yeah. True. I mean, footballers do cut each other's hair quite a lot. Is that for, right? Really? For, for what it's worth.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait,
2: give me an example. Well, I, I remember um, here, at the, when, I, when I was at the 2018 World Cup in Russia, and we were staying in the same hotel as the Portugal team when they were playing... I guess it must have been... Iran in Saransk, I think. Anyway, we were walking down the, the, the hotel after going out for dinner and we could hear some giggling from one of the rooms. <laughs> and they were all in there with the clippers cutting each other's hair. Wow. So if you, if you wonder if all like 75% of footballers' money goes on haircuts because they all look so fresh cut yeah, yeah. every yeah. single game now, I think there's a lot of inter-team haircutting mm. goes on.
1: I love the idea that like, Victor Lindelof is doing Paul Pogba's hair. And it's not some professional hairdresser. Because his hair always looks amazing.
2: Well, I I guess. like Paul Pogba's hair is always ridiculously made such an issue. But what if it's not his choice? (laughs) What, what, What if Lindelof goes, well, I wonder how I'd look with a blonde stripe, Paul? (laughs)
0: Yeah. <laughs> I like the idea of David Louise just coming into the dressing room with some clippers and going, who's next?
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Absolutely not. Don't come anywhere near me. Um, all right, that's it from us today. Thanks for listening, Ramblers. Andy, you're going to be back tomorrow, busy boy. You're going to yes. be here with Fish and with Kate. For now, though, Andy, say goodbye. Goodbye. Jim? Bye. That's nice. See you later. <laughs>